We do intros for the show now. Yeah. Well, we gotta we gotta talk about uh, not Patreon, but uh, Amazon and Audible and Audible. Hey, this this podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. If you go to www.audibletrial.com slash shark, you can get a free audiobook download and a thirty day free trial. Nick, how many titles do they have? One hundred and eighty thousand. Holy shit! One hundred eighty thousand. That's that's so many books. Guys. It's probably more now, but yeah, I'd I'd say it's it's slightly more. Uh, so if you go there, you can get any of their their books for your Android, iPod, Kindle, or MP3 player. We're also brought to you by Amazon.com. There's a button on the top of the uh, Shark Trapper page on SharkTrapper.com. Christmas is coming up, guys. You know what you're getting your girlfriends? <laughs> what girlfriend? <laughs> I mean, fiance. Which one? What's I mean, <laughs> wife. What's Christmas? <laughs> What's Christmas? <laughs> so uh, go there. Do your normal shopping. Uh, and, yeah, do that. Yeah. Yeah. So we're at the Bay 110. No Pransky. Very exciting. Are you guys excited for this interview? <laughs> I am. Yes. I am so excited. It's going to be great. All right. Stay tuned. We're the Bay 110. Love you. Buddy, hi! Welcome to Word of the Bay podcast. My name is Kyle. I am Nick, and I'm Jonathan. Jonathan, welcome back, sir. Thank you very much. It's been a few days for has, a few shows. It's been a few days. For those of you that are new to the podcast, um, Jonathan is our. He was a regular co-host, but we do so many podcasts on this network that you know he we, he sits a few out to uh, to edit because Lord knows it takes a hell of a lot of time to edit. Yeah, refocus the energy somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, this is Mr. Jonathan Moss. For those that don't know, thank you. And joining us on the show today, uh, you may know him um, from 10 News as the investigative reporter that took on the red light cameras. You may know him as uh, a competitive eater. <laughs> oh. You may know him, and where I know him from is the Shadow of the Stadium blog that kind of outlines the, the controversy or you know, the, the situation between St. Petersburg, the City Council, the Rays, and Stu Sternberg. Uh, Mr. Noah Pransky is joining us tonight on the podcast. Welcome, sir. I appreciate your time. Thanks. Yeah. And um, so, Mr. Noah, I got to know about the competitive eating. Yeah, that's, I'm interested in that as well. You know, sometimes um, your, your eyes are bigger than your stomach, and sometimes uh, you can force your eyes to trick you, and you just eat everything in sight. I've always been a big eater, and uh, one, one day I found myself in a competitive environment, before I knew it, I had downed uh, 17 jalapenos in like three minutes. Oh, my God. The rest is history. Oof. That's, that is – I'm thinking – That like, is like jumping off the deep end, too. That's not like wading in nicely into competitive eating. That's like, no, I'm just going to go for the jalapenos. Yeah, yeah, it's not hot dogs, but it's uh, – yeah, we got right in. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking it was hot dogs. No, I've been to a few pepper fests in my days. Have I – if I happen to see you around town, like have I seen you in those eating contests like where they eat like, you know – you may have. Yeah. You may have. I have a number of uh, Pepperfest trophies sitting around the house somewhere. Wow. <laughs> I knew it. I knew you looked familiar from somewhere. I thought you owed me money, but eh. the um, That's also possible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I never know. Um, dude, how, do you, how, do, how does one win a – like, how many peppers does it take to win a Pepperfest? Like, what, what does that entail? Um, 
you know, peppers, I got to tell you, there's not a whole lot of good pepper eaters around town, it seems. So, uh, you know, a pound or so in three minutes. Oh, my God. Jeez, are you kidding me? That that can't be fun for the next few days. Feel the burn. Feel the burn. Huh? Yeah, I guess so. In and out. Have you always, yeah, I was about to say, have you always been a guy that, like, was um, that you, you did well around, like, hot foods? Is, like, is that, like, second nature to you? Uh, yeah, kind of, but you know, it just comes down to a, a lack of willpower and a complete <laughs> disregard for moderation. Yeah, you're like a you're a marathon runner too, aren't you? Yeah, it's all relative, but moderation's for weenies. Yeah, I guess so. Huh. Well, yeah, we didn't get there. We didn't get here by uh, being moderate. No, not at all. We we went we we got here by going full tilt, hundred miles an hour. That's what we do. Pound of peppers in a minute. Yeah, let's just, guys, you want to go get some peppers, throw them on the table, and just let's let's see how far this goes. Yeah. yeah. Fuck it. Let's do it. Yeah, it makes for great radio. Yeah, let's get, well, let's get, <laughs> no, you get a pound or two, and then we'll, we'll see who dies first, apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you done, like, the ghost pepper challenge? Does that just not phase you at all? Yeah, no, um, I'm, I'm proud to say I'm undefeated. Mm. And uh, there has not been a food challenge that I've tackled yet uh, that I haven't been able to survive. So I so, got that going for me. Have have you heard of the uh, Munchie 420, uh, the Ghost Pepper Wing Challenge? Yeah, I beat it. What? Well, I gotta tell you, that was that was one of the one challenges, uh, maybe the only one where I've ever really felt real pain. <laughs> oh my god! And uh, <laughs> it was, you know, I, I can handle the burn in the mouth. You know, it goes away pretty quickly. You ever, we all know what eating a hot pepper tastes like, but this was. It, that challenge, it's down in Sarasota for anyone who hasn't heard of it. It's um, 10 of you know the hottest wounds you'll ever see in your life. They essentially take the contents of pepper spray and put it on top of it, which oh. I didn't realize at the time. So I kind of um, forced myself to get them all down. But as the, as the capsaicin and the chemical started getting my blood system, oh, it, it just it shut my body down for like five hours. And, and my coworker, fortunately, uh, Grayson Kahn, was able to there to take care of me and, and roll me to safety because <laughs> I wasn't, I, I was, I'd lost all capacity to control my body at that point. God. So you could probably do a public or, or do a great service um, to the public right now. What, what one thing do you down to make sure that, to make all the pain go away? Is it eggnog, milk? He's going to do Pepto-Bismol. Watch. <laughs> yeah. um, side out. So my friend actually had to call poison control. Ooh. And they they said, wait, he ate what? Thinking I was probably a toddler. And um, he explained it was an eating competition. They kind of laughed at him. And they're like, he's just he's just going to sweat it out. Just going to give it time. Jeez. As I sat there writhing in pain on the ground. Um, my advice, flush it out with water. What? Really? Hmm. Just going to get it out of your system. I thought like ice cream or chocolate milk or something. Well, if it's, if it, if it's burning your mouth. Oh, Something fatty oh, will help, yeah. like 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 whole milk will help in your mouth. But in terms of uh, any internal pain, flush that with water. See, Noah's Noah's on that past level. We're all like, oh, how does how do you get that burn out of your mouth? He's no, 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 no. You you got to flush it through your system. Yeah, he's much. This is a pro talking to a bunch of amateurs about this. You know, speak, speaking of a dangerous past, I mean, this podcast is really off to a stellar start. Guys. Oh no, <laughs> thank you. This, no. That's the first this thing is, I want to talk about. This is. Yeah, <laughs> I was like competitive eating. Like who? Who the hell knew? Like, geez, God, get out of here. Yeah, well, now that all the cards are out on the table, 
yeah. All right. Well, okay. So no, like we I, no secrets left. Though. Yeah. No oh no, that's it. This is it? Yeah. This. So before we before we get into the Ray Stadium issue, I, I you know we 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 like to bury the lead on this podcast too. So we might as well get into something else before we get into the stadium issue. But Raymond James Stadium, could you kind of go through? Uh, what the Glazers are, are trying to do uh, in regards to these, these stadium upgrades that they're proposing and, um, uh, you know, that you know, we'll kind of explain what it is that, that uh, is going on in that situation. Sure. Well, so, you know, taking back to the 90s, obviously the voters for a county approved the community investment tax, which paid 100% of Raymond James Stadium's cost for the, the Glazers and the Buccaneers. So part of that deal also included renovations, and it's uh, kind of the state-of-the-art clause that almost every team gets written into their contracts now when they sign a lease with the mm-hmm. city. And what it does is it says you've got to keep up with the Joneses, whatever that costs. And the downside to that is as cities around the country are building more and more stadiums and improving them to keep up with the other Joneses, that leaves stadiums like Raymond James Stadium, which is a fine stadium. Right. It holds one of the biggest bowl games. It's, hold, it's held Super Bowls in recent years. There's nothing wrong with Raymond James Stadium, unless you want to complain that the scoreboards aren't as big as some of the others. But the Glazers have a right to improvements. So the county's on the hook for $25, $26 million worth of improvements, which includes things like scoreboards and air conditioners and some suite upgrades and basics. The Glazers have said... If you work with us, we'll put even more into this, anywhere from 30 to 50 to $70 million more, although they won't give an exact number and they won't specify what exact upgrades they're going to make. Right. But they said, if we pour this money in and you put your money in, we would like a few other concessions. And they're basically asking for the county to loosen up the grip on that 30-year lease. And, I mean, everyone who signed, who approved that, contract, I'm sure, in, in the 90s and voted for it, said, um, you know, we expect to have this team here for, for our lifetime because of this. Well, these days, lifetimes don't, don't get to see a single stadium. You see multiple stadiums over the course of a lifetime, and the Bucs are really positioning themselves right now to try and probably get a new stadium uh, 10 to 15 years down the no. line here in Hillsborough County. Really? It's, it, this is all about posturing. Sure. Um, so, their big request was to try and get a second game out of Tampa. I mean, you're talking two of eight regular season games. They already have a right to play one of their preseason games out of the market. So you're talking about potentially three out of ten games now being played somewhere like London, for instance. Well, what that would do is certainly do the same thing the Rays are trying to do right now, which is leverage the city and the community to feel like you have to spend money to keep them. The Glazers are just a few years behind of where the Rays are. I heard some crazy bid. Um, <clears throat> now you, I, I'm sure you have a, a much better idea of the numbers in front of you, Noah, but when we were doing, or I, I guess when the Buccaneers, the Glazers are making a bid for the next Super Bowl, 2019, I think is when they were trying to be eligible for it. I think there was something that, they, that the Buccaneers countered NFL with where they would have to provide Something in the ballpark, now this is where I'm getting confused, in the ballpark of $50 million in new renovations that the NFL organization would have to, I guess, help or front or something along those lines? Are, are you familiar I mean, with that? I mean, it's kind of all rumor-mongering at that point. Uh, you know, the community did promise the NCAA improvements to okay. get mm-hmm. the 2017 National College Championship. Um, those things are going into Raymond James anyway, things like a new scoreboard and other, other stadium improvements. 
Um, so that game's coming here already. Those improvements are already committed to. Um, the NFL's MO these days is to go to whatever, use Super Bowls as the carrot to dangle in front of cities to get stadium improvements right. or stadiums built. And that's what we're seeing in Miami. I mean, the NFL got $400 million of stadium improvements largely paid by other parties because they said, if you don't do it, you're not getting another Super Bowl. Right. Well, a Super Bowl is not worth $400 million no. to the community, but it's a great carrot to get the ball moving, and that's what they're doing. So they're now going around to reward all these cities that improve their stadiums, you know, Houston, Minnesota, New York, et cetera, even though they're not traditional Super Bowl cities because they said, we don't need to be in Florida every other year and Arizona every other year. Why not go anywhere we want to go? We can make our money on the Super Bowl week regardless. And let's make a few hundred million on stadiums each year on the side. Yeah, why not? Where, where, who, who fronts this money? Like you said, the NFL gets their money from outside parties. Is this just like personal investors? Taxpayers. Or- yeah, or taxpayers. It's seldom, it's seldom personal investors. Um, frequently, you will see communities pony up uh, a large portion of it, you know, and that number varies quite a bit depending where you go. Yeah, and then they but still charge the them public, for a ticket. The public always pays a big chunk, um, and then the team will typically put a chunk forward, but the team try and recoups a lot of that money on things like ticket taxes, expenses, hmm. um, gaming rights. And they not, a lot of these um, mechanisms to try and recoup it. This, uh, the Miami Dolphins and Jacksonville Jaguars, for instance, both doing major renovations to their stadiums, trying to recoup their investment state money. So they've been seeking tax money for a few years, and that's not that when the state gives a check for thirty million or ninety million dollars to these stadiums, they don't give that check, you know, to reduce the taxpayer, the local taxpayer cost. They give that money generally to the team to reduce the team's commitment right. to a financial Crazy. Deal. Right. It's just, a, it's just a gift with a big fucking bow on top yeah. of it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, here you go. Yeah, here's your money. Yeah. No questions and, asked. And we're all like, oh, well, we got a Super Bowl, right? I guess that's good. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, hey, to, to the Florida legislature's credit, um, and I don't always say this, it seems they made a really wise business decision this year. We, we did a number of stories this past spring as the state was on the verge of cutting some big checks to, to these big sports organizations, Dolphins, Jaguars, Daytona International, and Orlando City Soccer, uh, we did nearly a dozen stories. We took it straight to the governor. We took it to the top leaders in the House and the Senate. And there's certainly proponents, um, typically the, the legislators who get you know, financing and, le- and lobbying help from, from these private organizations. Um, but... The House stood, you know, they dug their heels in, they stood tall, and the, and the House rejected all stadium financing this year for the first time in a long time. Wow. So um, that was actually that was pretty significant. These teams are coming back again this year. The Dolphins have already applied for 2016 money, and we're talking, you know, tens of millions at a time. So we'll see what happens next year. Well, yeah, the Dolphins are already in the middle of a, uh, of a renovation. So, I mean, that, I guess all that money is coming from the team in the NFL, am I right? Yeah, so what – well, I, I believe there's some public financing down there too, but what, one of the things that we covered last year or the spring was that these teams weren't looking for money to make a new project happen. They were looking to get reimbursed, basically get tax credits for stuff they're already doing. <laughs> so when I took the question to the awesome. governor, I said, what's the point of, sub, of subsidizing a construction project that – it's already ongoing. What's the incentive to the taxpayer 
to give money to a billionaire who's already doing a saving improvement. His answer kind of he you know he never answers a question directly. But right. He said we're going to look at the return on investment of it. Yeah. Um, the state determined the return on investment was actually pretty poor, but they still got very close to issuing those those dollars out. So we'll see what happens this year. The governor's been a, a longtime supporter of pro sports. Um, you know, he signed a bill getting some new money for spring training stadiums, which were, you know, we've now seen has helped South Florida build a new stadium. They're, they're building one for the Nats and the Astros down there. But it also could hurt, um, you know, some teams like the Denise and wants to keep with the Blue Jays. But there's just more and more competition fueled by the state legislatures and the government to build new stadiums. And it makes a city like Dunedin uh, put them in a really tough position because they really don't use stadium there. So going back to the Bucks, um, uh, you, you you talked about the, the Glazers. I see also under the understanding that we could already play a regular season game away from home. Um, I guess it's, I, so I guess it's just a preseason game, but the, the Glazers want to take away two preseason or two season games. Uh, should the, uh, should they do this deal? Which kind of boggles my mind because it's it, they're, they're, what they're saying is like okay we want you to pay to or you know we, we want you to, to show with your dollars that you that you support us by, but, and by not experiencing it. But at the same time, they've they've gone and done nothing to improve the the the, the product on the field. I mean the um, you know just just everything in general. It, it seems like it seems like they're they're kind of saying well. We need these upgrades, but um, you know, don't worry about the team on the field. Plus, we're going to take two uh, season games away from you. I, like, but don't worry about that. That kind of thing, I, I don't understand it. If you're trying to build a fan base, or, or if you tr- if you truly are worried about the supporters in your market, why would you take away two regular season it games? Just, it, it seems backwards. Yeah, yeah. You got to remember, thirty-one of these thirty-two teams are private organizations. They're they're private billionaires. That that own this fucking team. Sorry for for my language, but you it's know, frustrating. I get to, it. to to be handed a check from the governor of the state, like, oh, here's ninety million dollars. I can't think of another private organization that gets those sort of benefits. Yeah. And the NFL itself. Yeah, I was about to say, it's uh, tax free. Yeah. Oh yeah, baby. Anyway. Uh oh, we may be losing Noah. Hey, you guys. We're still here. We still got you, but we. Uh, All right, one of us. One of us is cutting out. That's that's uh that's me. <laughs> that's definitely me. But hey, that happens when when we're on Skype. You know, we can't we can't always have perfect connections. Come are, on, guys. Those are Skype issues. Yeah. That's, the issue is totally with Skype, not with us. Blame Skype. Send all your e- your emails to at Skype on Twitter. Yeah, at Skype. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess so. You there, yeah, Noah? I I, oh. Are we any better now? Yeah, you're yes, better. Yeah, yeah, you're back. So, you, earlier you said there's the owners pay a chunk of uh, change, and the rest comes from taxpayers. Is it is it perceived, or is it actual factual that Jerry Jones provided more to Jerryland than say uh, a normal owner? Yeah, I know. Uh, um, he he didn't want to deal with, uh, you know, having to go to referendum or having to go through city councils or having to beg for money. So he kind of said the hell with it and just went and built his own damn stadium. <laughs> Screw it. I'll and, do it myself. You know, it would be great if more people did that. Yeah, really. I, I mean, it, it, 
are, are we like are we as taxpayers uh, getting a fair shake when it comes to these uh, stadium improvements and uh, with the glaciers? I mean, I, I can't help but feel like no. I mean, we they the the way you put it on your blog, shadow of the stadium, uh, they are going to get most of it paid by the state and take two home games, and then we're just left to be like, well, okay, I guess we got new video boards for six games. Well, right. I mean, what are what are the taxpayers really benefiting from that? When, if and when the Glazers decide they want a new stadium in 2028, either they're going to get one here or they're going to get one somewhere else, and Raymond James Stadium is going to be obsolete. I mean, there's not going to be any use for that stadium outside of the Bucks games. Right. So even improving things like the suites and the air conditioning and the, and the scoreboards, those things are required because of the contract that the county signed that taxpayers approved, but they're not really providing any return on investment. Other than just maybe they'll help land an event or two here and there. Maybe we'll get another Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. But but at the end of the day, those scoreboards aren't providing any economy to the area. You know, there's not going to be any additional events for the most part because of these improvements. Um, it, it's just a keeping up with the Jones issue, and it's just to try and keep Tampa Bay relevant. But that stadium, the Glazers get almost every dollar of profit that comes out of. And I mean, in reality, you know, okay, we attract a Super Bowl, or we attract—I um, don't know—maybe uh, we maybe we attract a playoff game, you know, uh, with college football or something. So yeah, something bigger. How bigger. much money does that really put back into the economy? You know, via just uh, attracting the fans into the area, because I feel like most of it would just go back to the owners, anyways. It's hard to tell. It's really, really hard to tell. But when you look, when you have a big event like that, and you look at the tax receipts. There's no, there's almost never a big bounce. Um, depending what the event is, sometimes it actually goes in the other direction because the locals stay away. So you have to ask, what are we really getting from this? Exposure? Well, big cities don't need exposure. The city of Tampa doesn't need worldwide exposure because it's already, uh, you know, recognized as a big city. Does it hurt? No. But you have to ask, what are we really for that Super Bowl? Uh, don't tell me that you're filling all the hotel rooms in because they're already generally filled in Canada in February. Yeah, you can charge more. Yeah, you'll sell out everything. But we're not talking about millions of dollars of additional hotel revenue. We're not talking about millions of dollars of additional revenue, restaurant revenue. So where is all this extra, you know, tens of millions of dollars coming from that they claim Super Bowl's bring? Magic. Well, are they going to businesses owned by, you know, foreign entities where all the money's leaving anyway? Um, how much of that money is actually being paid back in taxes to refund the city for what we're putting into it? Because a lot of the time, when you have things like the RNC. Uh-oh. And so much of that, here's the biggest problem. It's secrets. The Tampa Sports Authority or, um, you know, these other local agencies will put a bid in for to get the Super Bowl. And at the end of the day, it's secret. It's protected from public records. They do them in ways that we will never find out what the city is giving or the county is giving. So it makes it really hard to put a real dollar value on any potential benefit from host hosting a big event like that. I've heard something. I've heard a figure as high as uh, the economic impact of a Super Bowl is up to the highest figure I've seen is $40 million. I, I just I 40? Can't. Oh, I've seen. I've seen, a, you know, what? tenfold of that. Really? But the numbers are awful. 
Yeah, I, I guess it's uh... There's just as many economists who say bring it zero or negative. So it, who do you trust? It's it's just an all, all how you do these economic projections. Uh, uh, but having been in you know, a number of Super Bowl cities during the event and having to having been across town, it tends to bring a lot of action to. Please come back. Please, Noah. Okay, we're obviously having some connection problems, so let's take a quick commercial break, and then we'll sort it out on the other side. Books. Let's talk about some books. Woo. Let's get a couple fucks out, too. I mean, we have, we're not cussing on this podcast, right? Oh, so, let's man. Get, let's get these uh, fucking books underway. Some, that's some reservation on my books. Yeah, no, it was tough. Uh, audible.com. Guys, if you're a listener of this podcast, you're like, oh, God, skip. This is the part where I skip. Well, and if they've already done that, glad you've left. Go to www.audibletrial.com slash shark, and you get yourself a free audiobook and 30-day free trial. Kai, what are you listening to right now? You know, I, I'm not listening to anything, but I know what I'm going to use. Great my, for the commercial. I will, no, I'm, <laughs> I haven't used my Audible trial yet. Like, after we've done this almost a year now, I haven't used my Audible trial. But I know what I'm going to use it on. I'm going to use it on the rise and fall of the Third Reich. I'm going to buy It's a four-hour book. With a, with a giant swastikon. I'm not going to buy that book and read yeah, it. You don't want that in your house. Yeah, for fuck's sake. Yeah, I can't yeah. bring that into work. Yeah, I'm not doing that. But I can certainly get the Audible trial book, and that's my book to keep forever. Like, mm. I can take that anywhere I want, and I can I can fucking drop some knowledge on Hitler about anybody. Oh, wow. Come here, son. Rise and fall of the Third Reich. Listen to this. You got four hours to kill, and then their face melts off like Indiana Jones and uh, Raiders of the Lost uh, Ark. Yeah, very good, very good. Yeah. It's favorite part of Star Wars. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm listening to... Indiana Jones and the Star Wars trailer, though. Have you seen that Star Wars trailer? Yes. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I know. I know. God damn it. Hot and chewy. Anyways, <laughs> Chewie's gonna die. Probably. Huh? Yeah. I'm hoping. Yeah. Okay. Here's a missed opportunity. Since we're just fucking around now. Yeah. Okay. Han's all white, right? He's yeah. a silver fox. Why isn't Chewie? Why isn't Chewie yeah. got some salt and pepper? It's on a Wookiee thing, right? No bullshit. I in call the, bullshit. In episode three, when Yoda was fighting off all the fucking idiots when they changed, there was a gray Chewbacca and in the background. He looks significantly older. Mm. Yes, you can get the expanded universe books on Audible Trial. Ooh, there you go. Yeah, let's bring it home. <laughs> all right, let's bring yes, it home. Dude, this point though, why isn't Chewie gray? Salt and pepper, man. That would have just. It would have done it. Tickled me pink. As soon as, yeah, just make his chest a little gray. That's it. Yeah, yeah maybe a little around the temple. Just something like that. Make him look like an old dog that you're just happy to see. <laughs> you know, a little under the chin. Chewie. <laughs> There's the scene where he, like uh, Han opens the Millennium Falcon. Chewie comes running out like a dog reading a soldier. Like <laughs> runs around a circle, piece in the corner. God damn it, Chewie! <laughs> oh Christ! Can you tell that we had a? Ser- can you tell we had a serious interview on the episode? I know we're dying to get all this shit out. <laughs> All right. Okay. Craziness back next week. AudibleTrial.com slash shark. Okay. All right. Well, obviously, lots of connection problems with this podcast. Internet fix number two. So we've got we've got Noah back on the line. We're all here. Let's let's just see how it goes. Hopefully everything goes well. Yeah. Um, Do you want to dive into why we're all really here? Well, let's dive into why we're all really here. We're 27 minutes into the podcast. I think it's time to actually talk about the Rays in the stadium and why we're here and, and the issue that we all really care about deeply. Uh, so Noah, uh, this week the the, the Rays City Council, or not the Rays City Council, but the the St. Petersburg City Council met um, to discuss the uh, you know the the, the proposal um, with the uh, Rays Stadium deal. So could you kind of outline uh, what w- the result of that was? Yeah. So council on Thursday voted to uh, they voted five to three to approve a counter offer to the Rays. That would mean 
that they are free to look. Uh, they're, they're free to accept this offer until basically opening day. And once they accept, they can then go looking for stadiums anywhere in Pinellas or Hillsborough County. If they go to Hillsborough County, they have to start paying $4 million a year to the city of St. Pete for every year they leave until 2027, plus a flat sum of $5 million um, for redevelopment. They also have to forego any redevelopment rights at Tropicana Fields, and they're required to basically indemnify the city if anyone, um, such as the state, comes looking after or comes comes saying you owe us money that you, you know for some outstanding bonds. Right. Long and short of it, it could cost the Rays uh, probably an extra fifteen twenty million dollars than what they had originally agreed to. Um, probably yeah, for fifteen to twenty million is the most likely scenario. Um, so while council said that is a fair counteroffer, five people said we can live with this if the Rays accept it. Actually, all eight of them would probably live with it if the Rays accept it. But the three dissensions on the council, including uh, you know Mayor Mayor Christman was the fourth person up there today who said no. Their contention was that this is too steep. The Rays have said they won't renegotiate. We need to lower our demands if we want a realistic. Uh, hope of getting them to approve something. But right now, the um, majority of council believes that the raise offer was not fair enough. It did not compensate the city enough for what they're giving up. And they sent the counteroffer back. The raise tonight told me no comment yet. We wait and see what they want to do. The ball is in their court. So when you say that they, the raise are going to be pressed with a $2.5 million a year until 2027, that, that whatever that contract year is, uh, if they're outside of city limits, that that that's outside of city limits, correct? So, so the way it stands, yes, they would pay five million or four million a year if they move to Hillsborough County. Right. Uh, they pay a reduced version of that, two and a half million a year if they stay somewhere in Pinellas that is outside of city limits. If they stay in city limits, uh, then they don't pay the city of St. Pete anything. Hmm. And the two sides have basically said we will work together and try and work something out. Um, in good nature. Okay, realistically thinking about it, is it even in the question or any, in the back is of that, anybody's mind to stay realm? in city limits? Yeah, is that even a possibility? Right. I, I don't know. I, I think anything's possible. I think if the city of St. Petersburg said, you know, we're going to pay for the majority of this stadium and there's no other municipality saying we're going to do this, what are the rates going to do? That's a really tough question. Yeah. Um, right now, the best financing package is absolutely going to be in city, the city of St. Pete. Now, the Rays, you know, in hindsight, they could have they could have put an end to this five years ago when Mayor Foster offered them basically the same, same deal. deal that council just did. And Mayor Foster offered them basically five million a year. You can get out of the deal now. You can go to Toy Town. You can go to Tampa. You can go to Derby Lane. And the Rays had a lot more options then. Their options are diminishing, and that's not really a nature. That's not because of St. Petersburg has played hardball. It's because the Rays have played hardball. Right. And they've dug their, their heels in. Yeah, that, that, that leads me to my next question. Um, one of the councilmen, I think I believe it was Kennedy, who said that with every passing year and every new season, uh, the Rays lose more and more significant leverage for each season that they, they put this off. Uh, I guess I'm a little confused on like what kind of leverage they're, they're losing in that, in that regard. So are, they just, are they just running out of room to stand? Well, you tell me. We've been saying that the Rays are on their way out in 2010. 
Do you think the Rays are any closer to leaving today than they were in 2010? Absolutely I would not. contend that they're not. They've played five extra seasons in the city of St. Petersburg, and the city's benefited from having a baseball team there. Um, the leverage, they don't seem to have any more leverage than they did. They are not, they're not close to 2027. They cannot go out right now and legally cut a deal with another city. So they, there's, there's not really any difference in leverage unless you want to say that the Rays have less leverage because there are fewer places in Hillsborough County for them to go. There's fewer pots of money that are available right now. Mm-hmm. And the, one, the biggest pot, which is tax, the bed taxes in Pinellas County, there's so many hungry mouths for that money that the Rays are going to have a tough case if they do want the you know ten to twelve million a year that they're ultimately going to hope for. I mean, the Atlanta Braves come to mind when they when you discuss Toy Town and the the hungry mouths that that mm-hmm. are looking for that bed money. Yeah, you know the Braves were a terribly convenient uh, thing for the Rays. Right. I don't think you know talking to some sources in baseball of mine. I don't think MLB knew anything about it. I think they were caught off guard. But, you know, when luck strikes, you might as well embrace it because um, it really did speed up this timeline. Yeah. The county commissioners who had no interest in tackling this conversation a few months back are all of a sudden jumping in right now. Um, these are things I've written about in recent weeks on the blog, Shadow of Stadium. Um, so if anyone has any questions, you know, you can always get a little more depth there. But the long and short of it is that the Braves are talking about spring training there, but I don't see MLB allowing them to do any of that stuff until this race stuff gets flushed out. Right. If MLB really, if their MO is to get a Major League Baseball stadium built here, because you can get a spring training stadium built anywhere. That stuff, you're talking about 70 to $90 million. You can get that deal done. Right. The Major League Baseball stadium is the big pot of money that they really want to benefit from. That's the hundreds of millions of dollars. So they're not going to let the Braves foul this up, but they will let the Braves kind of be a stalking horse and, um, you know, push the agenda along a little faster. Well, yeah, and push the agenda along a little faster. It seems like you also have, like, local businesses such as, like, Mark Ferguson. Uh, <laughs> you, you know him as from the guy from Ferg's. That is is basically just mucking up the process with demanding more and more and more economic impact reports, and it's, you, you just got to throw your hands up in the air at some point and just go, "Look, man, how, how many how many more do you need? How many more do you want?" Like, yeah, can, I mean, you're you're not expediting this process by any means. No, he's anything. He's the, slowing it down. The three of us were down there for a lightning game, and it's like no, the lightning aren't playing ninety feet away, or not ninety feet, but no. you know the lightning the, the lightning aren't playing across the street from you, and your and place still is there. still packed. Yeah, I'm still and, there. And still there. So I mean, honestly, it's Mr. Politics. Ferguson, like, what's the problem here? It's politics on his part. I mean, yeah. does, he doesn't want to lose that. Yeah, well, I think it's all well. Politics. You know, Ferguson's doing the same thing that the Rays are doing, and sure. that's looking out for your business interests. Sure. And, um, you know, you can – Ferg's a good guy. I know I'm upset with him. I don't know him all that well. But everything I've ever done with Ferg, he's been a great guy and very accommodating. Yeah. You know what? The Rays, the Rays administration and, and executives, same – I would say the same about them. They've all been extremely nice to me over the years. For, even though for what I do, I'm a thorn in their side, they've been very welcoming. And I have nothing bad to say about any of them personally. But what Ferg does and what the Rays do is they look out for their business interests – and they got to play the game, which is, you know, use whatever piece of leverage you got. And Ferg goes to city council meetings. He knows these guys well. He says, 
Whatever we can do to slow this down or stop it, he's going to try. So give him credit for at least doing his job well. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I, you know, as, oh, a, as a as a resident of St. Petersburg and living, yeah. living literally in the shadow of the stadium. Um, <laughs> I, you know, Ooh, I, I see what I see what you, you see did, there. did there. Yeah, I, you know, I, I I certainly understand where Mark Ferguson's coming from, but it, you know, it just. The fan in me is like, come on, let's just get yeah. this done. Let's go. I like, you know, Montreal's over here, like, tweet me every day. And like, I, you know, I. Well, uh, so I want to know is, is part of them possibly losing traction? Is the viable options for the Rays to settle elsewhere? I mean, especially in, I mean, we're all looking in Tampa now. But as soon as Vinick comes out and says, no, 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 not here, does that, is that, kind of kill it or do anything to it? Well, I mean, I think we've known for probably about three or four years that Vinick doesn't want it down there. It's a pipe and, dream. It's a pipe dream know, for every every fan. They want a sports complex. Yeah, I mean, I, hey, I would say don't believe everything you say on or everything you hear on, uh, you know, the radio. No offense to present company, of course. But, <laughs> you know, it makes good talk radio to say we're going to put the, the – the Rays downtown, but Vinick has such a, a lock on downtown development right now. Nothing in town is going to happen without his approval. So unless you make it, make it worth Vinick's, um, you know, blessing, mm-hmm. you're probably not going to get it. So are we going to see something that directly competes with all of the ticket sales and the um, corporate sales that Vinick is capitalizing with the lightning right now? Ooh, I don't know, but it's going to, it would have to be something very much worth his while. I don't know what that would be. No, no. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the Rays, the Rays currently, they they can look in Pinellas County for a site for the stadium. Am, am I right in, in that? Uh, I believe that is incorrect. Okay, so all right. The city of St. Pete has given them opportunities to um, explore specific sites, and they declined. Mm-hmm. Mayor Mayor Bill Foster um, gave them the option to look at Derby Lane and the site next to the airport in Pinellas County. Okay. Uh, that was about four years ago now, three or four years ago, and they declined. Okay. They did not want to accept because they were holding their ultimatum. We will not look at any sites in Hillsborough or Pinellas County unless we can look at all sites. Okay. So they've uh, stuck to their guns. It's been their MO. But remember, the, the Rays are the ones who want out of this contract. So are they the ones that should be making the ultimatums, or should they be the ones who are coming to the table with new ideas and new negotiations and new compromises. You know, anyone who wants to put blame on MP Council, I'm not saying you shouldn't, but I would say that just as much blame probably belongs on the other side because the Rays have not shown very much more willingness to compromise than Council has. Yeah. Well, what are they holding out for? Like, what is yeah, what's what the, is their dream deal? That yeah, what's the carrot? Where, I don't get it. You know, I think like all negotiations of contracts, like with player negotiations or anytime you get attorneys dealing over uh, things like divorce or real estate or anything, you have leverage mm-hmm. and you both start far apart and you work your way to the middle. So both sides feel like there's a deal that they can live with um, for the Rays, I think they are, they want to get to a point where they have a deal where they can live with and they would rather not spend money if they don't have to. So they're going to keep fighting until the timing and the numbers Form a perfect union, if that makes any sense. It makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, that makes absolute sense. We'll know. We'll know when they do when there's a, the right offer at the right time. I don't think this is because the Rays still have options. 
Um, and their prime option, which I'm sure they'll use, is wait two weeks to see who gets elected to city council. Yeah. But, <laughs> but if Wendy Newton's brother is elected to replace him and we don't see anything else big pop up, then they may have to come back to the table and actually negotiate with the Jim Kennedy plan um, rather than the, what they were hoping, which was the original Rick Kreisman plan that we saw almost a year ago now. And, and by the Kennedy plan, you mean the one that was proposed today, Thursday, correct? Correct, and adopted basically in its exact form as Kennedy brought it to the table. Right. So let me ask you in your professional opinion. I mean, you have a lot of uh, of your fingers in the, in this pot, so I, I mean, I take it. I take your word over many other words, a.k.a. Steve Dumig. Anyway, um, <laughs> is this going to be an 11th hour decision? And if so, I, I, I guess the burning question on everybody's mind is, are we going to have a baseball team, at, at least in the Tampa Bay area, come 2027? I mean, I don't think anyone can predict 11 years in the future, 12 years in the future. Uh, remember, we're 12 years away. Robert Zemeckis from- and Bob Gale got close. <laughs> We're 12 years away from the last game scheduled to be played in dropping Field. So to get to the 11th hour on this one, I mean, we are a long way away. Right. Um, I don't think it will come to that. I think the Rays and certain politicians would like you to think it will, but there's no real last chance. Yeah, I'm just seeing the word last chance printed in the editorial pages each of the last couple of days. Right. This, this is no last chance. There's no stadium being erected in Montreal right now. There's no, um, you know, deadline in Hillsborough County before, you know, every dollar available magically goes poof and disappears. The only timetable we're dealing with right now is an impatient Pinellas County Commission. Well, if they really want to build a race stadium, then tell them to wait. Right. So until we get to a point where, you know, there's something agreed upon, but there's no there, there's no firm deadline at all in this whole thing except 2027. Now I'm sure Pinellas Commission doesn't want to wait a few more years to decide what to spend their money on, but they could they could put it in the bank and let it grow. They're, I mean they don't have to spend these tax dollars. I'm sure that's you know kind of sacrilege to think about as a politician, but they don't have to spend these tax dollars. Right. Think if people are impatient and and starting to get nervous about Montreal doesn't mean there's any real deadline. Well, you, you have to excuse us, too, as Tampa Bay Rays fans. It's like I, I think all of us just see flashes of the Tampa Bay White Sox 1998 all over again, you know, where, well, where it comes down to that teams, hour. How many teams were moving to Tampa Bay before they weren't? Right. I mean, I said this before. I've said this numerous times on the podcast. I mean, Sue Sternberg is running the Buy Me a New Stadium playbook to a T. I mean, it's 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 yeah. everything we've seen in every other market of like, Oh well, we have the mistress, and and you know now the fans are are, are against the city council and for the team, and it, it's almost like it's like that nobody else can see this happening in front of them is like mind boggling. So guys, look, this is what's been happening <laughs> for been years done. in the major in major league in major yeah. sports and sports. Yeah, I, I mean to the point where I I wrote how the stadium saga was going to go down in two thousand nine. It's probably the article I've linked to most frequently in the last six years. But I wrote how the stadium saga will go down, and so far it's kind of played itself out to a T. They followed the blueprint. Now, you know, sometimes they get lucky and things like the Braves come along and expedite a step or two of the blueprint. <laughs> but but stadium, t- stadium campaigns tend to be a 10-year effort. 
It took 10 years in Minnesota. It took mm. 10 years in Miami. Um, you know, we're only at year, we're really only at year like seven here, maybe eight. Mm. Going on year eight. So there's no telling how long it would take. Maybe we will see something happen in the next few weeks. But it also may take a few more years. Who knows? I mean, the you Rays can, are unwilling. You can certainly feel them getting closer. Relatively, yeah. Sorry? Oh, I'm sorry. Cut. Saying, sorry. I'm saying, I mean, you could certainly feel both sides getting closer. I mean, as each year passes and the, and the clock keeps the, the doomsday clock keeps ticking down. I mean, you, you know, they're 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 inching, you know, ever so closely to to some sort of a compromise in this. And you know, one you know, one side's going to buckle over the other. But I mean, it, it yeah, it, it certainly feels as though uh, we are, you know. It's not going to get to 2027, but we're we're a few few years away now from maybe seeing something you know real happening where we may have a stadium. Well, we saw you know we saw four or five members of the city council today who were previous no votes come around. So I guess four members who were firm no's leading up to today for the first time said yes and sent an offer back to the race. Hmm. I would say that's progress. Yeah. In fact. In fact, it's, it, the deal they sent was actually a significant compromise to what most of them were indicating they wanted before. So St. Pete made a step toward the middle today. Now, I would contend from a legal standpoint, they were just simply negotiating against themselves. Not always the best idea, but they certainly made a concession again. This whole thing is a concession that the city is being asked to make. So the question is, what will the Rays do? I suspect we won't hear anything from them for a couple of weeks. Um, you know, they have some fantastic public relations and damage control people there, and they will have a very methodical response, but it won't be swift and it won't be definitive. We'll have to wait to see what happens in the St. Pete election. Now, you, you use some interesting words there, uh, uh, negotiating against themselves. So, you know, I mean, essentially what it is, is uh, we are um, we're, we're getting a... Um, it's it's being proposed that the more money that the uh the, or the I'm sorry the less money that the city council uh is expected from the raise in the stadium deal the more money the raise are apt to put in when a new stadium deal comes along which you know like you said negotiating against ourselves Yeah I mean there's there's three lawyers sitting on city council they should know better but don't negotiate against yourself it's the first rule of negotiating but all we've seen so far is the Rays have kind of just sit back, and aside from the one deal they agreed to a year ago with Mayor Kreisman, they have never thrown a piece of, you know, a dollar sign out. They have never indicated what they're willing to contribute to a new stadium or what they're willing to pay to get out of their current contract. Um, and in the last year, as everyone just gets nervous and nervous, and dozens of newspaper editorials come out, and the sports talk radios blow up. All the Rays have done has just sit back and quietly waited. Yeah. What well, a- that's the smartest strategy because what's happened, St. Pete has worn itself down and dropped its asking price. That's true. But- in, in your opinion, what would be fair for for the owners, Sternberg, to, to put up for a stadium? I mean, we're talking a stadium that's in the ballpark of $550, $600 million. It, half, you know. I mean, look – there's no right answer to this, and I'm not, you know, it's not for me to decide what's right. It's ultimately up to taxpayers to decide. 
but we know it'll never go to a referendum because that's fatal to a sports team, so it's going to be up to politicians to decide. And they often make really bad decisions on this front. Um, Miami. But you have to look at what else you could buy for it. I mean, should we be using tourist tax dollars that could go to beach renourishment or spring training stadiums or things like that? You can make that argument. If you're going to make an argument that it's a tourist destination and a quality of life thing and worth it, then go for it. But if you want to start using general revenue dollars um, and you're going to use state dollars that can go towards schools and you want to go, you know, you're in Hillsborough County and you want to use money that could be fixing our roads that are a disaster in the county and, and not, you know, up to par then you get a much tougher case to make. There's no magic number because sports stadiums are incredibly expensive for what they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if Sternberg's, if the whole goal of this is to subsidize a new stadium to improve revenues for the Rays, when you break the numbers down based on our best estimates, it's terrible return on investment. Hmm. I mean, the county is going to spend $20, $25 million a year to help the Rays increase their payroll by $20 million a year? Well, why don't we just cut a check directly to the team then? <laughs> right. Yeah, really. It'd be a lot more efficient. Get some batters. <laughs> yeah. The city of St. Pete has spoken. And I mean, there's no guarantee that that's necessarily going to fix the attendance problem. I think I think the, the Rays kind of look over the, the bay and say, and look at the Lightning and Vinnick, and they're like, ah, we, that could be us. Look at it. Look at the, that loyal fan base. That there could be us. If we just, you know, if the, if the city re- council would just cut us a deal, come on, poor us. And, when in reality, they need to be looking at Raymond James Stadium and like that might be us too. Yes, so. well, exactly. And, and then it's like you look at like what St. Pete is actually spending their money on. And it's like the new pier plus a, what is it, 500 or $50 million park renovation or along yeah. the pier and it's just like we, we didn't need that we didn't need that yeah. at all yeah the pier is fine but, yeah, yeah i mean you ask you ask what a new stadium would bring there's certainly no guarantee and this market is a very spread out one yes we're the 11th largest media market in the world which, which speaks to why the race television ratings have been so strong and next year when they can renegotiate their contracts they will probably see a huge influx in cash but it also the region problem is that it's very spread out, one of the most spread out in the country, and it makes it really hard to get a lot of people to a game on a weeknight. Yeah. And obviously it's been discussed to death. We know the problems. The Rays, if they built a new stadium, would probably become the cool kids in town. It'd be very cool to be there. And the Lightning would suffer, which is you know kind of incentive for Jeff Vinnick to not be totally helpful. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. It's a great thing going. And until he's got a lot more people living downtown, there's no incentive for him to, in the short term, to help get the baseball there. I just think that if we if we were to rebuild the, the stadium in Pinellas County or in within city limits, I think we're just going to have the same old problems, and then we're going to be having this conversation 35 years from now. And it's just... Well, constantly, not just 35 years from now, but you, during... As it gets worse and worse and worse, right after after the luster wears off yeah. the new the so ballpark, this, it's not new anymore. It's not going to be a cool place to be, right? Uh, there, you're gonna, I mean, you're going to have that in Miami soon. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, you know, even if you built a new stadium downtown Tampa, you might have that in four or five years. But it's got so, an aquarium backstop. You have to ask. You have to ask. What's the purpose of a new stadium? 
and it's not to necessarily boost attendance. Yeah, the Rays are going to be looking for that, but at the end of the day, what we see at almost every other stadium renovation or construction project, the goal is to boost the price of tickets and the price of suites and the price of stuff. God, because that's hate how right you big are. revenue jumps come from. Stop. Stop being so right. Well, God, I don't want to pay more for tickets. It's nice now just walking to the game and paying 10 bucks to a scalper to, to, to walk into the stadium. Well, Say where I want. It would also help if some of the damn businesses around here would actually buy the damn suites. Yo, no, what do you make of that? I mean, a lot of the media in this town, they, they, they claim that, oh, well, the, the 70-30 rule, you know, and it's flipped in the Tampa Bay area and the businesses aren't putting the, the uh, their dollars into the, the raise as yeah. other markets are. I the, mean, the majority of season ticket holders account for the revenue. Right. I yeah. mean, what do you make of that? I mean, isn't it ironic that we're kind of criticizing businesses for not wanting to spend their dollars when that's kind of exactly what the Rays are doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's up to a business to spend them how they want. When a business buys a block of tickets or a suite, it's an incentive because people want to go. Well, the Rays haven't created a project, a product where people want to go. So as a result, they're doing it at the Lightning instead, or they're doing it at the Fox. And that's not because hockey and football are better events to buy corporate tickets to because the product in Tampa Bay is is better right now. And the Rays have failed to to create a cool factor around themselves. Um, I think they missed a real opportunity when they went to the playoffs and probably could have capitalized better. And from a marketing standpoint, you know, they, they, they're just not clicking. They're just not doing something right. And I don't know what the answer is, but there are teams in old stadiums that have made it cool. You can look at minor leagues for for an example. There's a lot of minor league stadiums that are born as hell, and they do a really great job of capturing fan excitement. Now, you don't want to turn the trop into a minor league facility, but you have to say, what are we? What can we do differently? What can we do to embrace the fan more? What can we do to make people want to take pictures and post them on Instagram when they're watching the game? Because that's what people are doing at Lightning Games. They post photos and say, hey, look where I am. Because they want their friends to know they went to the forum that night. Or they went to, I'm sorry, Emily Arena. Or they post <laughs> oh, we still make that mistake. And they, they, they show, hey, I was at the Bucks game this weekend. Well, you know what? They don't do that at USF Games. And they certainly don't do it at the Trop. So what are those teams doing wrong? Something. I don't know what it is, yeah. but they are doing something wrong. And part of it is all these other factors we talked about, demographics and the region and baseball and the distance. But part of it is the cool factor, and they've got to address the cool factor. I, I don't even I, – like, I don't know where to start with that because, like – Unanimously, it's the Tampa Bay Lightning are the coolest team in town, and it's like it, it, nobody questions it. Is it? And I can't for the life of me think of what exactly makes them cool. But I myself am like, hell yeah, the Lightning. You know, you, I, find, you find yourself arguing yeah, for everybody, it. Everybody, you got to get the young crowd. You got to get the young people into the baseball stadium. And I think that it's the Rays. I think just baseball in general is just seen as a boring. It's not a sexy game. It's not a sexy game. It's a it's, you know it's a chess match between pitcher and batter. Well, and that's why it's called like the class. Like it's an American yeah, baseball some, and apple pie. There's certainly some of that, but look, hockey has had a lot of issues over the years with fans, young fans, and um, building fan base. I mean, of the four sports, I'm I'm almost positive hockey pays their their athletes far least. Because yeah, yes. they're bringing in the far least amount of money, mm-hmm. so you can't tell me that that 
hockey has any advantages over baseball when it comes to the cool factor, especially in a non-traditional market like Florida. Look at what happened in Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta's not a great baseball market, but the Braves were still killing the Thrashers to the point where the Thrashers left town. They couldn't, they couldn't, you know, cut it. Um, so, so take that out of the conversation. Jeff Vinnick may have single-handedly done it himself by just being around, by creating good press, by doing things in the community and being cool, things that Stu Sternberg has not really done. Um, and this true. isn't to criticize Stu or to call out an no. out-of-town sports owner because those exist everywhere. But the Rays just aren't succeeding in making their experience cool. Well, Noah, did you uh, like a couple of uh, a couple of weeks ago? There was this viral video that went around of a, a Washington Nationals game, and uh, I think they were playing the Mets or something. And the the television broadcast cut to uh, these sorority girls that were sitting in the stands of the stadium, right? And they were all taking selfies and they, of doing the hot dogs yeah, multiple times, doing the duck faces and everything. Yeah, yeah. And you see that a lot of baseball stadiums. I mean, I I, I go to about uh, twenty to twenty five games a year, and it's like most of the time in innings, and I'm like, granted. I'm sitting, you know, near the dugout where it's like you're you're in danger if you got a left-handed hitter coming up or something. Yeah, you better pay attention. Yeah, and you know that's you're on your phone or you're you know you're you're tweeting. I'm certainly I'm guilty of it too. But when you go to a hockey game, it's like the action's always there. People are up and down in their seats. They're they're yelling and screaming, shoot the puck, and 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 it's going all the time. I think. You know, I I wouldn't say that that's what necessarily makes hockey cooler, but I think it sort of forces the people to pay attention, and it's more of an exciting game overall. Yeah, I just I you 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 bring up good points, but I'm not ready to buy yet the attitude that millennials are more geared toward hockey than they are baseball. Sure, we know young fans are not are not being driven to baseball the way they used to, but they're also not being driven to football unless they're playing fantasy football. They're not being driven to hockey or basketball the way they used to be. And those sports have both gone through some, you know, legitimate fan issues over the years, over the last decade or so. Um, so I think this technology and this millennial and the short attention span stuff affects all sports sure. in different ways. Um, every, everything you would point to saying, oh, this would fix it or this would explain it in Tampa Bay – you could probably find another city that would work in a different way. There's plenty of hockey markets that are not drawing fans right now. Look, look at Miami, okay? The Marlins have a new stadium, the Panthers don't, and the Panthers crowds are miserable. So are Tampa and Miami really that much different? No, I think it comes down to what's cool. The Miami Heat weren't selling out until they got LeBron James. They became cool. They started selling out, and the Heat, you know, spent a good – six, seven years being cool again. And now maybe the Marlins are again. The Marlins have actually done all right uh, at the box office. And there's still people who go to the games, they take photos there, and they, they put them on social media. So I think so much of it just comes around to being cool. Uh, social media helps. The Lightning have done a great job with social media. Yeah. The Rays have done a, a decent job. Um, but there's still things that the Rays obviously can be doing better because – they're just not capturing this market. The Rays need to poach Katie Coffin back from New York and, and have her run their social media. Huh. Man, the, Ray, the Rays do some really nice things on social media, but they have some. They definitely have work to do in the marketing and other you know media departments. 
you know, even back in the OK Hockey days, I, I you know, the Bolts always just seemed to be the cool team after, you know, they've, they've supplanted the Bucks after when the Bucks sort of went down. And the Rays were on the cusp of that in, in 2008 and, and very much with Joe Madden and this, this new style of of play and, uh, you know, the money ball and the extra two percent and, and the know. little big team. Yeah. But they never really capitalized that on that like you 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 thought that they could. And now we're kind of a team searching for our identity under Kevin Cash and you know, again, I mean, I guess we're, we're, we're all circling around the same issue, but I just wonder how the, the, the Rays become cool in this town. Like, what, what do you do to, to attract the millennials and the, the, the Isn't youngins? that the multi-million dollar question? I guess so. You know, what's funny is well, that... We've all, we've all seen the movie Major League where the, you know, the owner comes in and wants to move the team, so they kind of, like, talk how bad the team is and they tank attendance. Yeah. Well, the Rays, I, I've written about the self-fulfilling prophecy. In 2010, when they came out and said their stadium was insufficient, and for five years now, they've been talking about how the Trop is not a good place to watch baseball. Well, the region has started to believe it. Right. And, you know, I have friends from out of town who will come in, and they've never seen a game in a dome before. They sit down expecting a dingy, dirty place. And, like, so tell me what you think. And every one of them, every time, says, you know, this isn't bad. No. They're, like, pleasantly surprised. It beats the hell out of being in the rain in Florida, which is a huge challenge for both us and Miami. But people generally can't put their finger on what they don't like about the trot, which, which tells me, you know, aside from the location issue, but it tells me that perception is the biggest problem for Tropicana Field in the rain. Yeah. And that's, that goes to the cool factor. You can't be cool when your owner is saying, I need to get the hell out of this place. I, I can't think of spending 11 more years here. Yeah, when your parents start bashing you, what do you spray? Right. You have the owner every year that's, that, um, that says that almost every year, and then every time we go on baseball tonight or anytime someone brings us up in, uh, on a four-letter network. It's or, attendance. So, it's, no, it's not, it's not only attendance, but it's always like, well, this place is a dump, and the trop is this, and the trop is the, the catwalks, and, and what have you. The catwalks is the only place we have to explain the extra rules for. Right, and they're, they're always sort of the dumping on the trop, and then the, you, know, the, you have – the the fans here locally that just just that just assign the 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 title of oh it's a dump it's well, a dump it's a warehouse it's this it's that it's I mean I go to the games and I'm like you know I'm not wanting for anything at these games you know I I can't think of anything at Tropicana Field that I'm like I wish this was that you know not really do, do I want natural grass maybe I don't know do I want to do I want stars under my head when I'm there at night I don't know maybe but it's for all intents and purposes it's like I'm I've never been at the trop and I've never wanted for anything it's a great it's a great place to watch baseball well and all he's doing is raising a fan base full of apologists which is what we're all becoming like yeah yeah sorry, sorry we know, know. We, know. we get Got it we get it but the team's good you know and I actually had a an opportunity to talk to Stu Sternberg personally at a, at an event and I I asked him this is probably about 2 years ago I asked him similar questions that we're asking Noah today and, uh, you know, you want to go back to a missed opportunity back in 08, you know, to become the cool kids on the block. Uh, they, he personally admitted, I don't know that I should be repeating this, but whatever. Uh, he personally admitted that he wished that they didn't go to the World Series as quick as they did. Oh, kind of like had a, a natural progression to it instead he, of just he being wanted, there? He wanted a bigger buildup. He, he thought that in the first 10 years to make it to the World Series that them as an organization would suffer and that they weren't ready for it. Hmm. Well, and there's maybe some truth to that. You know, I, going back to a point you, you made a little a bit ago about, 
you know, just we were talking about perception is reality. Right. And I grew up in Boston and through the nineties, all the Red Sox could do was talk about how awful their stadium was, how nobody could fit in the seats, how there were terrible sight lines, how the place was falling apart and the suites were unacceptable. You know, when you go to a game at Fenway, for as much as you may love the Mecca of baseball, it is very easy to point out the things that you wish you would change. It is a lot easier than Tropicana Field to say, I can't believe how small these seats are. I can't believe there's a pole in my way. I can't believe how inadequately short the left field line is. You know, whatever it is, there are a lot of things to point out about Fenway Park. In the 90s, those things were considered detriments to the team. People complained about them. The ownership complained about them. But what happened was new owners, new owners came in 2001, and they embraced Fenway. They talked about how great it was, yeah. about how all these quirks were actually cool things. And Fenway Park, aided by the fact that the Red Sox had a few good teams, but the fact that ownership embraced it said, you know what, we're going to keep this place, and we're going to fix this place up. It was when they dropped the plan to, to build a new park next door People really embrace Fenway Park the way they do now. You're blowing my mind. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, the, the entire perception of Tropicana Field for, uh, ever since 2008 or, or, or what have you. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a, oh, oh, it's a dump. Oh, what a dump this place is. Oh, this isn't right for baseball. I mean, it has all the same kind of quirks that, that maybe, you know, uh, a Fenway has. The Fenway has the green monster where any, we have any catwalks. Yeah. yeah any doubles is, is going off the monster. If you just happen to uh, any fly ball out there, boom, off the monster. And, 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 you know, usually be like, oh, what the hell? Come on. Like, this, is this really baseball? And now it's, oh, it's quirky. It's, 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 oh, there fun. goes Fenway. Yeah. Oh, you need to know how to play the monster. Yeah. You know? You've got to play these- your field. God. Yeah. yeah, look, I'm a baseball purist myself, but I love when a ball takes a weird bounce off the monster and it tricks the, the opposing team. I love when a ball clinks off the catwalk and a, and a pop-up becomes a double. Now, you don't like <laughs> right. to really see it affect the, affect the game the way, uh, I believe it was the Twins, Jason Kubel, I think, yes, sir. ended a game or something, or, or won the game, I can't remember. But, it, you know, you don't want to see it really affect the outcome of a game. But it's kind of fun to see a ball clank off the, the catwalk and be a live ball and everyone look around and say what do i do now i mean you're right nobody talks about when when a, a double gets caught up in the in the uh in the deepest part of center field at fenway um and yeah when a double hits off the catwalk it's like oh my god oh oh jesus oh this this, this stadium, stadium i tell you what man this is just not even this isn't baseball anymore i don't know what i'm watching right. but or, it's not baseball <laughs> or the ivy at wrigley yeah, or the Ivy at Wrigley. Yeah, some a ball gets caught in the Ivy at Wrigley. Nobody's nobody's saying, "Oh, this place isn't right." For everybody's baseball. applauding. Oh, isn't that wonderful? See now, history right there. Wrigley kind of is the anomaly to me because, in my opinion, what aided Boston's perception of Fenway is winning. Yeah, a World Series helps when uh, winning fixes everything. Why are the Cubs in Wrigley Field? Is 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 it just because they're known as the storied franchise? Yeah. No, no. So I'll I'll tell you. I'll take you back. Wrigley and Fenway have always been long admired by baseball purists, but but Fenway went commercial in the in the like 2002 range. This was before the Red Sox won the World Series. They went to the playoffs in '99. That place was electric, but they were still talking about a new Fenway Park. It was 2002 that they finally put those plans to bed. In 2003, that the team's value started to explode. Yeah, I wonder why. Before the World Series. So it wasn't the World Series that changed things in, in Boston. 
Aaron Boone's home run did more to in 2003 to you know bring Red Sox Nation together than that World Series did. But it was all a product, in my mind, of new ownership that embraced the city better, embraced Fenway Park better, and realized and recognized what the Red Sox brand was. And honestly, the lead, the lead brand for the Red Sox is Fenway Park, not, not the B on the hat or any individual player. You know, you're Fenway absolutely... Park is the experience they were selling. You're absolutely right. And I live in downtown St. Petersburg. And everywhere in St. Petersburg, I just see... Uh, development and there's 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 things going up. There's murals. There's there's an art scene. There's a craft beer scene. You know, it, it's kind of exploding down there. And you know, you feel like maybe the Rays can somehow take advantage of that. And you know, okay, yeah, we'll throw three daughters in the in, into the uh, uh, into the porch or something. Or or but you know, the, it, I really feel like they haven't embraced the city of St. Petersburg, and they they haven't done all that they can do to be kind. Maybe that's maybe that's the secret. Maybe the secret is to kind of embrace the direction that the city of St. Peter put a mural on the side of the trap, a crazy ass mural, or or put a yeah. put open a craft brewery. In yeah, there. I was gonna say open up a brew house. You know. Yeah. Yeah, right inside the stadium. Well, I, I actually yeah. heard today that that the Tropicana. If you look at all of Pinellas County, uh, the Tropic Tropicana Field is actually the epicenter of the most impoverished part of the entire county, and it's yeah. When Gay Newton brought that up at council, um, he obviously represents you know South St. Pete, uh, affectionately called Midtown. Yeah. Um, but there's still a lot of hurt feelings there because when they built the Trop, some you know, 30 years ago, they made these grand promises of redevelopment and jobs and turning the, the community around that we hear every time someone talks about a new stadium, and it just never materialized. And they removed people from their homes, you know, yeah. forcefully. They're, they're, really? They did eminent domain. They did these things to remove people, and they booted an entire community that had been there for decades. I heard so there's still a lot of ill will. Yeah, I, I don't mean to to butt in on you here, Noah, but I actually heard Steve Dumig read from your blog just this afternoon, and he was he was whistling a different tune about the relocation and all that. I, I didn't hear what he said. Anything enlightening? Um, well, no, it's Dumig. Well. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> the the takeaway points was that he's like, I just don't see how anybody. Sorry for my impersonation. I just don't see how anybody can think that they relocated. Uh, all of these houses or all these all these residents of the area. I mean, the the damn Tropicana Field is built on a garbage pile, and you know, yeah, the, in, in, the, the soil. I don't know. It, it wasn't anything like ill willed. I don't. I don't. I didn't get that impression. It was just that I think he was trying to contradict that point. Well, there's been um, there's been some nice articles that have been written over the years that detail the history a little bit. So I guess I would just. Uh, Send my friend Steve to to those to check it out if he doesn't believe me. Very yeah. good. You know, a lot of people vil- want to villainize Wingate Newton uh, on Twitter. I've, I've seen it a lot, and certainly may- I, I may have been guilty of it too. But you, I mean, you raise an interesting point in the, uh, of the relocation, and he's sort of fighting uh, in that regard of like, hey, you like all these promises that uh, you know you just left on the table that are, that have just been unfulfilled up to this point. You know, now that you bring up those points, I sort of can't blame him for the, for the for uh, you know fighting so hard for the city of St. Pete and, and sort of being so stubborn on, on the issues of the field. Yeah, he's never going to be considered uh, the most open-minded council member, and actually, he only has a few more weeks left of serving on council. But um, what he brought up, he brought up some of the points, and on a similar note, the other council members, Councilman Kennedy, for instance. 
Um, he's an attorney. He brought up some really good points today in that the city of St. Pete gave up a number of concessions when they signed the deal with MLB and the Rays back in the 90s. They gave up a number of things they wanted in exchange for the guarantee of 30 years, in exchange for the guarantee that the Rays could not even talk to another city in that time. Right. You know, so the things that the Rays are now asking out of their contract for are the things that they were, that the city of St. Pete was promised 20 years ago so the Rays could get out of other things at that time. Hmm. So, you know, when you make when you sign a contract, the expectation is that you will you know, obliged by you will act accordingly as the contract specifies. And the Rays are the ones asking out of this deal. It's incumbent upon the Rays to bring an offer to the table that the majority of St. Pete Council members believe is fair. Yeah. No, I only have one more more question here on my notepad for you. I can't speak for the other guys, but my last question for you is uh it, let's let's say we do we do come to a agreement and the Rays end up do moving to you know, outside of city limits or Hillsborough County, what what would be the? I, I know we have a million goddamn reports on these things, uh, but what would be the impact of the downtown area and all the local businesses there? Because I know a lot of them thrive on it, and th- they really thrive on that. You know, eighty-one games a year, eighty-one home games. I, I mean, do you see it being drastically affected at all by if they were to move? Because I know I think like, the most important. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Timing. I think. It's all about the timing because right now we are in a really strong economy where downtown St. Pete is thriving. If it happens soon, um, before the next you know little recession we hit, then I think St. Pete will be just fine. If they can get an influx of young people, an influx of new living, even baby boomers coming down, um, if they can continue to grow the amount of people living in the core then those businesses are going to be fine. They're going to do great. Uh, Ferg's is the only one that would really see a real hit because of such the influx of game day, you know, traffic. Right. Um, but all these other restaurants and bars, they're doing great on non-game nights. Right. Now, I can't speak to everyone, but there's going to be a lot of businesses that don't even notice it if the Rays leave. There will be businesses that do better because the Rays leave. If you own an art studio on Central Ave, you hate game days, you know. So yeah, you get all those drunk assholes coming you know, <laughs> coming by, and sorry. Yeah, I, I mean, there's there's plenty of reasons to suspect that St. Petersburg will be just fine without it, and for the same reason, downtown Tampa will be just fine without it if they don't build a stadium in downtown Tampa. Um, a stadium can be a good thing for an area. A stadium can bring a lot of people to your businesses in the area, but when you ask, is it worth it? It really depends on how much cost you're putting into it. Yeah. All right. So one last thing from me. Uh, you you talked a little bit about uh, your your blog post of uh, where this this whole saga is going to go. So ultimately, where in your opinion, where do you think the Rays will end up? Or you know, I guess your your best estimation of where the Rays will end up and how this all shakes out. You know, I, I, I have no crystal ball. Uh, I wrote in 2009 that the Toy Town Gateway area was the best place then. Uh, not best, but most likely. And, and be for the same reasons, I think it's the most likely place now. And that's because it puts the Rays in a more central location 
where people in Tampa, whether it be downtown or the business core in West Shore, can get to it a lot easier. And you're still in Pinellas County, which has the most available money for this thing to happen. Uh, the raise, the raise above, above all else, want a place where someone's going to pay them to play, and they will get that in Pinellas County. I don't know if they'll get that in Hillsborough County because Hillsborough County, to fund a stadium the way we expect the Rays to want a stadium funded, would require really pulling some general revenue dollars, property tax money, and um, in addition to the bed, in addition to the bed tax and other revenues like rent taxes. But but you know, Hillsborough County is just tapped out right now, yeah. and they don't have the available funds. So either the Rays pony up a lot more than they would have to in Pinellas, or it ain't happening in Hillsborough, it seems. Yeah, that's, well, I, I, me as a resident of Pinellas County, I'd certainly hope that it wouldn't happen in Hillsborough because I, I want my team close. I want, I want to be in driving distance for my team every game. I still want to be a 20-game season ticket holder. Send them up to Clearwater. It may be. I don't know. Sure, the, right. big, the biggest issue is that we don't have – legitimate transportation or transit here. Right. And, you know, if the county, if, if each county keeps voting it down, then we could be in a bigger issue because, you know, a bigger problem than just stadium location or what the stadium looks like. Because without transit, as we move forward and these roads get more and more clogged, well, that 30-minute radius gets worse and worse. I'll tell you, when there's a lightning sold-out game, and it coincides with rush hour. It takes a really long time to get across the, the bridges compared to a normal night. Yeah. And if you want to put a stadium in Tampa, or even if you put one in Toy Town, um, or the Sod Farm next door, or somewhere else in Gateway, you're looking at really bad commutes just because our area is not up to date with its transportation. Yeah, can you imagine like a, ho- a lightning home game and a, and a Rays home game at the same time? Like, my God. During rush hour. During, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, there's not enough fans to go to both, so it'd be one. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, this is something we always point out to out-of-town fans that, that want to uh, dog our attendance on Twitter. It's like, hey, look look at our TV numbers, look at the look at our infrastructure, and look at the location of the stadium. I mean, come on. What, what do you want us to do here? It's, yeah, when you look at the big picture, it's clear to see why. Yeah. A lot of people don't want to do You're that. You're just feeding them. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm guilty of doing that. Um, Noah, um, before we let you go, how, how can we find you? Where, where can the good people of the show seek you out? You can find me personally on Twitter or Facebook at Noah Pransky, P-R-A-N-S-K-Y, or you can find specifically those Rays-related posts at Stadium Shadow. And I got to say, that's a great blog. I've, I've, I've referred to it several times on this podcast. I, I loved having you on this podcast. It's honestly, it's, it's, it's an honor because, you know, we've, for as many times as we've talked about your articles on this podcast, to yeah. actually have you on here has been great. So, everybody, if you, make sure you go to that blog. I mean, it's, it's, I would say it's the end all beat all when it comes to the Ray Stadium saga. If you have any questions about it, it will answer them. Yeah, probably give you a few more as while you're there too. Yeah, no, you you you've really been a gem on this podcast, man. You really puts put a lot of things into perspective. So I I want to speak for everybody and just say we appreciated having you on. Well, I appreciate you guys having me. I'll be happy to come back anytime. Keep on reading. 
And uh, let's hope that tomorrow when this thing's all over that this experience doesn't hurt me like a pepper eating contest does. Oh, no. <laughs> Call back. <laughs> so Noah's at uh, Stadium Shadow. You can find me at Kyle WOTB. You can, of course, find Nick at Inkman WOTB. And you can find me on the Amber Alert. You can find Jonathan on the Amber Alert. Uh, you can go to SharkDropper.com and check out all of our podcasts. They are all right there. We're going to make it super easy for you. If you just go to SharkDropper.com and scroll down, there's little pictures and there's all of our podcasts. We yes. do, I think, 11 of them. Some of them are fictional. Some of them are non-fictional. Uh, and of course on sharkdropper.com next to the home button there's a button for the Patreon page if you uh, feel that you like our podcast and you feel you want to support us in some way shape or form we don't have t-shirts we don't have stickers uh, we don't have anything like that but we do have a Patreon so if you want to throw a couple bucks to us uh, our, our, a couple bucks our way uh, it goes a long way to support what we do here at Shark Dropper Studios so that is it we are done Yes. Uh, for Word of the Bay, or I'm sorry, for, for Noah Pransky, uh, that has been Word of the Bay. I am Kyle. I am Nick. And I'm Jonathan. And thanks, Noah. Thanks, Noah. Thank you all, guys. And we'll see you guys next week. Sharp Dropper Studios production.